Welcome back to a new series on On The Grow Podcast. I'm your host, Grace Lee. In my last series, Winter Month series, I wanted to dedicate a series on what we go and grow through during the holiday season. Even though this year is much different than previous years, there are a lot of topics that I believe many of us experience, particularly in the winter months. I kicked off the season talking about cuffing season. In that episode, I answered why people desire to be cuffed, the phenomenon behind the trend, and more. In the next episode, I discussed seasonal ruts. I talked about what it means to be in a seasonal rut, shifting our mindset on things we can control, and more. In the third episode, I discussed loneliness during the holidays. The holiday hype is hard to resist. I get it. I talked about what many of us are feeling this time of year, how we pretend to be happy even though we don't always feel that way, how loneliness during the holidays affects us mentally, and ways we can change our mindset. In the season finale, in last week's episode, I covered holiday stress, heartbreak, weight gain, and finding happiness till the end. I talked about the holiday heartbreak many of us experience, why exploring yourself and staying single can be a good thing during the holidays, the touchy subject on holiday weight gain, holiday stress and what we are currently experiencing, and staying hopeful in times of uncertainty to the end of this crazy year. Now, this is the first episode into the new season, the mental health series. I have a guest joining me today to talk about financial self-care. Maya Fleming is a recent college grad from Georgetown University. She's a writer, creator of Gentler Podcast, and self-care enthusiast. In today's episode, we'll be discussing how to feel good about money, tips on finding that balance between spending and saving, her biggest tip for financial self-care, and finding ways to earn money that align with your passions and values. Hey, Maya. Thanks for joining me for this episode. Thank you so um, much for having me. Of course. Well, I just kind of want to talk a little bit about you and, you know, just to start off. So um, you're a recent college grad from Georgetown. Yes. And <laughs> you are currently living in D.C.? So I live okay. in Maryland, just outside of D.C., but I work in D.C. Um, you know, when we're not working remotely, I was working in D.C., but um, I'm just outside now. Okay. And have you been there for like quarantine or is that like home for you? Um, I've been living by myself, like in my apartment during quarantine. So that's been interesting. Um, home is actually in Arkansas. So I haven't been back since last holiday season. Quarantine messed up a lot of travel plans I had. But um, but yeah, I've been working remotely since March and that's been interesting. But, you know, we're learning and growing every day with it. Okay, so you live by yourself. That's awesome. I'm really curious because you have like a podcast, you have a blog or a website, um, and you also have an ebook that I found. So when did you start your brand? Yeah, so I actually work in higher ed um, for my nine to five. So totally different than what I do like on Instagram, on the internet. But um, I work with an organization that I volunteered with all throughout college. So it was a pretty seamless transition for everyone who knows me. I work in like educational equity in that field. Um, so something I'm very passionate about. But when it comes to blogging and everything, I guess I really got started in junior high school and then just kept kind of trying things and was inconsistent and never really saw any real growth until 
around this time last year when I started the podcast. Um, and that really just came out of me just needing some kind of creative outlet because post-grad life was just way different than what I was expecting. And I just needed something. And I was just really fed up with feeling the same sense of like hopelessness that I had all throughout college and feeling like I was still broke, even though I had a salary position. And I just picked up my phone and recorded this mainly kind of like a reminder to myself, I guess, of maintaining gratitude and figuring out how to just take ownership and responsibility. And it became gentler. And then I just kept tuning in um, every week with different topics. And something that's really important to me is that I share the struggles as they come. And I'm so far from perfect and I'm not an expert in anything. So it's been really, um, I want to say like energizing and also just really helpful for me in my own growth to be able to share and sum up what I've learned in this week. Exactly. No, I like that mentality. I think that's something I like to touch on too, which is focusing on the struggles, especially with something like Instagram where everything's just like picture perfect. You know, like I'm so glad that we're touching on subjects that are more, I don't, I don't like using the word like real, but you know what I mean? Like it's more (laughs) authentic Mm -hmm. and people can really relate to it. Your brand focuses a lot on finding ways to earn money that align with your passions, values, that sort of thing. So, you know, you said you started in junior high. When did you realize you had a passion for helping others with finance? Mm. So I first got really into learning about finances, um, probably midway through college. I always was a little bit obsessed with making money. Um, I begged my mom for months to buy me the American Girl Smart Guide to Money when I was Really? Kid. When and you were little? Yeah, I, yeah I, I've always been obsessed with, she would buy me these like friendship bracelet kits and I would make some and my mom would be like, oh, it's so pretty. And I'm like, yeah, you think like, how much can I make for this? Do you think? Like, how much can I sell this for? And I've just always kind of been obsessed in probably like unhealthy ways with making money. Um, I grew up low income, so I felt like money would be the key to all of my issues and just I would find Mm -hmm. so much happiness in money so it wasn't until I graduated from college that I really kind of felt like I had a grasp on what I think of as financial Mm self-care and not centering my life around money but centering money around my life and the way that I want to live it Um, because I realized I don't really want to be like a mega New York CEO I don't really feel like that's driving me at this point in life I'm totally fine with having just, you know, like, what, not, not to say I'm a minimalist, I definitely am not, but like, I'm totally fine with living in like a little cozy house with my dog somewhere in the country and just being able to have what I want and like be able to supply my own needs and be happy with what I have. So how mm-hmm. can I then make money align with that? So I would say around this time last year was when I kind of was really interested in sharing that with other people, sharing first of, first off, just the financial literacy pieces and like, this is how you put together a working budget. This is what you, like, this is how you do a sinking fund. This is why you need one. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what people are not telling you about credit cards. You do not need to pay your credit card bill twice a month. It's not going to jumpstart your score. I don't know where that advice came from. But I was just going to say things I wish I had known before. And then it became, you know, we don't need to make money so stressful. Here's how we can make it a little bit more pleasant. 
when I graduated college, I was like, why did we not learn how to pay bills and like the credit card stuff, like credit score? Why do we not have any of those kind of classes? And I'm like, that's what we needed to learn versus like geology and rocks and, you know, all these things. So yeah, and that's I think that's why I especially towards the end, I really started to hate college so much because uh, I just was like, I'm so tired of sitting here talking about Shakespeare. I'd much <laughs> rather be <laughs> out making money and putting it into the savings. Um, but one thing that I really, so like in college, I kept thinking like, if I make more money, I'd be able to manage my money better if I had mm -hmm. more of it. And I do think that is true to an extent. I think, you know, we talk, you can't budget nothing, you know, if you're not making enough money to afford the lifestyle, then there's only so much you can do with it. But I think I also just didn't have the positive money habits. And I kept saying like, oh, when I have more then. I'll do better with it. And so that's why it really hit me after graduating. And I'm like, okay, we're here now. This is where you said you would be really good with money. And you aren't, you know, all about money, you know, all there is to know about financial literacy, but for some reason, your actions are not aligning with that. So I really wish I had spent more time learning about money, like you said, and like having someone teach that stuff to me in college and having someone encourage me to actually like create those habits of saving, even if it's just $5 here and there, just get into the habit of whenever you get money, put some aside and save it and learning what it means to invest. So when I was signing my job contract, I understood like what the investment accounts meant and all of that. That wasn't so useful. Yeah. So everything is self-taught basically, right? Like, you, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. What was your major in college? You English. I started out studying business and then um, after freshman year, transitioned to English because I just, I don't know, I felt more called to it. Uh -huh. In business, it just wasn't, it wasn't looking the way I thought it would. But I think business schools across the country are changing just as social media becomes more of a thing. Um, and I wasn't really getting a lot of the spark I thought I would have. And I am getting that spark now with Gentler and starting like my blog and things like that. But once I realized I wasn't getting it from my business classes, I, I transferred over to the, to the English major. Okay. I mean, and English has its part, like writing, you know, came out of it. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also your ebook, the financial yeah. care ebook. Tell me more about that. I, I want to hear like, what made you want to write this? Yeah. So I kept thinking, you know, I should write an ebook about financial self-care because there's just so much that I want to share, but I can't put in one single podcast episode. And I'm also like, my mind is always working in terms of revenue as well, to be totally transparent. I was like, <laughs> how can I start making some actual money from this? Because I wasn't, I didn't want to have any like sponsors. I didn't feel like doing the whole like pitching and having people come and my podcast is still fairly small, but it was definitely small back then. So it wasn't happening as quickly as I wanted. Um, but I think the thing that really pushed it into high gear was I really wanted a puppy and I had been trying to adopt a dog for almost a year and nothing was working. No one was letting me like adopt. And so I was like, okay, I need the money to like get a dog. And I didn't feel comfortable just forking it over from my regular checking account. So in my head, I was like, okay, one of my major tenets for financial self-care is recognizing the value that you have as non-monetary. So I knew my experience could be of value. So I wrote the ebook, um, pre-sold it for a week and then, ended up uh, putting the actual version out and had enough money to go pick up my puppy. And that was like the ultimate testament of financial self-care for me because I kept telling myself prior to that, you know, it's too expensive. You can't have it. And I, until I just asked myself like, why, like, why can't I have it? Why is it too expensive? And I couldn't come up with a good answer. So I just thought, okay, you don't want to spend it from your regular money. 
is there a way you can make the money to, to make this purchase? And there was. So I was really happy and pleased with that. And I felt like it was exemplary of the information in the ebook. Yeah. No, that's such a great testimony. And is that, <laughs> your, is that your puppy down there or the one that's like moving around? Yeah, she's somewhere. Oh, <laughs> okay. So cute. There's not a lot of people who share tips on something like financial self-care. You know, like we hear about like fitness self-care and, and like, uh, beauty routines and retail therapy, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I think this is probably my first time being introduced to something with like finance. Cause like, it's not something you think about, right? Yeah. Well, I was just going to say like, you named all those things. And for me, I always wanted like the robust skincare routine and to be able to wear like the fancy workout clothes and go to a workout class, but it all takes money. And if my money was not in check, I felt like I couldn't practice proper self-care like if I'm meditating and I'm just thinking about how like I literally don't have enough money to pay my rent and I don't know when I'm going to be evicted like it ruins my entire self-care practice so Mm -hmm. that was like the big thing for me is realizing I can only get so far with self-care like in the traditional sense if I don't get my money and my finances in check Right, because that's like a temporary kind of feeling good. And you can say all the affirmations, but if it's not being followed with action and stuff, they're really not going to help you that much. So I can't say like, oh, I'm a rich, powerful woman. If I know that my bank account has a dollar forty-two in it, like at some point I have to act like one too and then correct that problem. Exactly. For anyone who is interested in your financial self-care ebook, I can include that in the description so people can check that out. But anyway, so another topic that I wanted to discuss or just talk about is how money is a pretty taboo topic. You know, like people don't realize that we as entrepreneurs, we have like many streams of income. And I had this talk with Natalie Barbu, who's our our mutual friend and who helped, um, who introduced us. And she shares a lot of like these types of topics on her YouTube channel, which is awesome. But there's a lot of content creators who don't like to give out information on their finances and how much they earn, earn money doing their creative jobs. So what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, as someone who, for me, I, I work a nine to five. So yeah. my podcast and my blog are not like mainstreams of income at all. So with my podcast, um, I kind of identified desires you know I wanted a dog so I need to make enough money to get a dog and that was it so I haven't had like a need for a constant consistent flow I haven't necessarily built things I guess in the way that I would have wanted to if Mm -hmm. that was my intent and it is becoming my intent so I definitely and I shared a blog post the other day talking about how much money I made my first year podcasting Um, And it was around like the $2,000 mark aside from like the um, sponsorship that I had. Um, But I think for me personally, a little nerve wracking knowing that so many eyes are on you. And it's kind of like my podcast has been my baby for so long and I know it has value and it brings me value whenever I do it. But I don't want someone to hear a number and feel like, oh, like that's it. Like, that's all she's been doing. But until people start sharing those numbers and start sharing like what what the normal download count is like and all that, we have nothing to base it off of. And we don't know, you know, how much should I be asking from a sponsor? How much should I be um, 
pitching for this thing and that thing. And so now I work with clients to help build their podcasts. And one thing I always share with them is this sponsorship cal- like calculator so that they mm. know like this is how you can figure out like a good number to pitch out and then, you know, go higher than that. Just, I feel like if we normalize the tools that we use, we can always come up a little bit better. And it's, it's embarrassing to an extent it's taboo. Like you said, it's hard because you don't want to seem like you're doing less than someone else or anything like that, especially coming from a family where, and I think most families, it's not like a traditional uh, career or anything. So I don't want anyone to, worry about me either like I don't want my mom to hear a number and be like that's that's all you're making or on yeah. the flip side you're making that much like you know right have it's, all it's those both ways come through. Yeah. yeah absolutely um and I, I forget who I spoke with I think I had a guest on my show but I talked about one of my biggest blocks for making money was I was afraid that people would take the money from me and you know I was afraid people would as someone who was used to taking care of people I was afraid they'd take advantage of me and we really had to sit down and talk about one, why is that a bad thing? And two, why are you so afraid of that? And, you know, what what's really happening there? So I think it, it comes from some resistance that we have in ourselves dealing with money. Um, and that's, you know, why financial self-care is such a big deal for me. But also just as a society, we have so much work to do. And so I think talking about it more, normalizing money conversations, even if you don't say like how much you make, but Mm -hmm. what does a holiday bonus look like for you? Like when people say terms like that, I have no idea what those things mean. I had no idea that some people are making thousands of dollars at the end of the year when I didn't get a holiday bonus, you know, like, can we, like, we need to talk about normalize it and protect myself too. Exactly. And that's something. So when I first moved to New York city, I was honestly stressed with my financial situation because coming from college, moving straight Mm -hmm. to a place where like the living cost is no joke. The rent is ridiculous. And I'm like, coffee's like double the amount. Smoothies are like $10. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I was never really good with money, actually money and numbers, just anything math related Mm -hmm. is something that I don't touch. Like I'm more of a creative. I'm more, I was a journalism major in college. So I never took a math class because I didn't need to, which is great. But um, when it came to, you know, like you're out of college now and just like focusing on your finances and figuring out like having these spreadsheets, all these things like adding up, it was very new to me. And I know in your ebook, you mentioned um, something about like paying off your debt. So as someone who is maybe a postgrad or someone who's in college thinking about ways to manage their debt when they're out of college, do you have any tips about how to manage something like that? Yeah, so my biggest tip is have a strong intention. And I say that because I paid off all my consumer debt, but I still have student loan debt. And At first, after paying off my consumer debt, I thought like, okay, the natural next step is to pay off my student loan debt. Like I handled the smallest snowball and now I'm going after the bigger one. But I realized, you know, I'm not, I'm I'm only going to get so far if I, if I'm doing something because I feel like I'm supposed to or because I have to. Um, That's why it took me so long to pay off my credit cards because I didn't have a strong enough intention. It wasn't until I said to myself, okay, I want more cash to work with to grow gentler. And so I need to eliminate these credit card bills so that I can funnel that money into this other thing. It it wasn't going to happen until I did that. And I was listening to another podcast with someone who is a really big financial coach, um, Tiffany Adichie, the budget needs to, I don't know if anyone has heard of her, but she talked Mm -hmm. about how 
one of her biggest kind of money regrets was paying off her student loans. Not because she was upset to lose the debt, but because she realized like if I use that money to do something else with and grow my business, then I would have naturally had enough money to pay off my student loans later. But, Mm. you know, I paid off tens of thousands of dollars in student loans and I have nothing to show for it afterwards because you pay it and it just goes. And this is totally not to discourage anyone from paying off your student loans, but just as someone who really, I struggle being disciplined in hard things. I have to have an intention that is strong enough. And right now my intention for my student loans is not strong enough to pay it off just for the sake of paying it off. I will also say I don't have a a huge amount of student loans. So it's not really posing a major difficulty. If I had extremely high interest debt, I would say handle that because you're paying so much more than what the value of it is anyway. But you have to just really sit down and ask yourself, once I reach this goal, and it's with any goal, regardless of money or not, what does my life look like afterwards? And is that image strong enough to pull me out of the current reality that I have? I like that a lot. Do things with intention, like paying off your paying off your yeah. debt. I know I'm still paying my student loans too. So it's it's <laughs> definitely hard when you see like yeah. that amount come out of your card mm-hmm. every month on top of rent and on top of utility bills and on top of every other thing you know that you have yeah life and i'll say like definitely don't like do what you can to pay the amount like for sure that's with any debt like don't just not pay it because that (laughs) has way bigger consequences than i used to hear people say like oh you know like i'm not paying such and such and i didn't like because we don't normalize money language and i didn't have anyone else to talk to about it i didn't realize that they meant like i'm only paying the minimum payment and i'm not funneling extra stuff into it so I did go a period just not paying my credit card bills and I paid for that substantially. So definitely don't do that and look into resources on how to lower payments if you need to. Um, and right now, like student loan payments, uh, maybe not the private ones, but I'm pretty sure like everyone is, is paused for the time being. Oh, is that so? I think I so. Read, I, I heard about something private, about But I, I think for the, like the public loans, they are. Okay. Yeah, I read something about that with everything going on. Until yeah. January for sure, but hopefully afterwards, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. I know that that is definitely something that is stressful um, for everyone, just having to pay off, like even if it's something like a credit card, you know, like when, when you see the numbers go up, it's just, are you someone who pays off their credit card right away or do you do it in small doses? Like what's your strategy for that? So it kind of depends on what the purchase is and what the card is. So if I, like right now, I really don't, I really don't use credit cards. I have um, one card that I use, it's with Chime Banks. They take your checking balance and make it like a fake credit card. So like, it looks like you're paying off. It's hard to explain like just like quickly, but it looks like you're paying off a credit card bill each month in full when really you're just using your checking account balance. Um, But I don't really have anything that I'm paying off currently because I, I reached that milestone and had a reason for doing so. Um, but previously, like even when I was using my credit responsibly, I wasn't paying it off in full every month. My bigger priority was just keeping it under 30% utilization mm-hmm. um, and making sure that no matter what, I didn't go over an amount. So if like, let's say, you know, you have a credit limit of $300. Like in my head, like this credit limit of $100. Like we can't go over that. Even if you can, like don't. That messes up your credit score a little bit. And it all, like it always goes back to your intention and what's important to you. 
I am not looking to buy a house anytime soon or do anything major that I'm going to need a perfect credit score for. So I'm not so much focused on building it and like, like jumpstarting my credit score so much as I am about saving right now because I have another money goal that involves that a little bit more. If you know that you want to get a new car or do something else that's going to take a positive credit score, you might move a little bit differently than I do. Um, but I would say, like I said, it depends on the car, it depends on the purchase. If you're buying something that you know um, you're going to have to spread out over a few payments over a year or so, then that makes sense. I'm not going to fault you for doing that, especially if it's something essential, like you have to buy a new computer for work. I'm not mm-hmm. going to yell at you for, you know, going over that 30%. You got to do what you got to do. Um, and also, if you have a card where, you know, you're getting a deal of no interest for a year or something like that, I'm also not going to, because the right. biggest thing about paying off your credit card bill every month is to avoid the interest payment. Exactly. And if you don't have that interest payment to worry about, like, I'm like, you're good. Like, you know, like, yeah. I think the big, biggest thing with financial self-care for me is just figuring out we have all these money rules and all these things that we feel like we should be doing because someone told us to, what mm. actually applies to your real life and what actually is going to help you and your goals and situation. Um, you just mentioned something about money rules. So here's something I'm actually really curious to know your thoughts on this. I've talked to a lot of friends and just like families asking like how much of their salary uh, they should put into their savings. Let's just say this is someone who works a nine to five corporate job and they get paid bi-weekly. How much do you think that they should put in like a percentage into their savings every two weeks? Yeah. So when I was first getting into saving, I came across the 50, 30, 20 rule um, where the idea is you use 50% of your, your money for expenses, 30% is personal spending, you do whatever you want with it, and 20% you use on saving. And that sounds great. You know, if you can, that would be like my ideal thing. A lot of people can't. And that's just the reality of it. A lot of people can't do that. You're paying 50% or more in rent a lot of the time. Like it's like that framework is not really going to work all the time. So my biggest thing is just make sure you're saving something just to flex the saving muscle. Even if you feel like it's nothing, you know, you're not doing anything impressive. That's okay. You just want to be used to saving. You want to, you know, feel like, whenever you do have more money or if you were to, you know, one, receive a stimulus check or have a tax return or Christmas money, anytime you receive extra money that you're used to already saving it. And if you choose to do that with it, that you can. Um, And then, like I said before, you can't budget nothing. So for me, it was easier to approach saving by side hustling and by saying like, okay, I'm going to have this side hustle and this money will go majority to saving in the beginning I'm like oh I'm gonna put all of this in the saving but it doesn't always happen like that because I like to buy things but if you can you know make more income to save more then you know I would consider that and it takes a little bit of the stress off of um, trying to make your current budget like stretch into bounds it's not meant for like it's really stressful trying to follow like I really had a lot of stress around this 50, 30, 20 rule. And I just mm. thought like, there's no way to make these numbers work until I started finding other ways to make money. And, you know, it's, it ebbs and flows as you have your saving goal, you can sit down and play with numbers and be like, okay, maybe in December I can save 20%, but maybe in January I can only save five. Can I come back later and, you know, supplement that? Or is there another opportunity I can have to put in more? It's easier for me to approach saving by having an amount that I want to save. Mm-hmm. rather than 
having an amount that I need to save each each month if that makes sense yeah um, as I, in take like that, have, I take mm-hmm. that amount and then I say okay like each month I should save this amount to reach this by this time got it so like just setting that goal yeah. ahead of time okay what about the balance of like saving and spending yeah so <sighs> I <laughs> it's a battle like for sure for me um even still because like I said I love spending money if I open up the Target app, I am definitely <laughs> going to end up making a purchase on things I didn't need. Um, but I, again, it goes back to intention for me and coming like, what are you saving for? You know, like, what are you actually saving for? And what, how much do you need for that? I feel like people just always made it seem like you should just always just save money, just save money, just pack it away. Okay, mm-hmm. but how much? Like, how much are you like for you and your lifestyle? Like, if I plan on moving to Texas next year, my savings account is going to look a lot differently than me existing in the DC area or you in New York. Like it's going to be a different monetary value. So what is that number that you need to save? And then from there, like figure out how much money you're getting each month and how much, and you have to really be critical of yourself and be honest with yourself. I think we set so many goals for our ideal selves rather than our current selves. And for me, like I know I can't fully cut out personal spending it's not going to happen like I'm going to absolutely hate myself I can't absolutely cut out uber eats I can Mm -hmm. put forth a little bit more towards saving and challenge myself but if I don't budget for those incidentals that I know I'm going to have then nothing's going to happen because with me in the past I would budget for absolutely nothing I would make myself go on a spending freeze and I would be okay for a few days maybe if I made it that far but then I make a purchase and then I'm just discouraged and I'm like well F it like I already messed up my budget I might as well just say forget it so because I know that about myself I'm not going to spend so much time trying to change myself and make myself into this perfect version of Maya instead I'm going to focus like okay I still have this goal to save x amount of money how can I take the person that I am and, and make that happen how I am you know rather than trying to change me at the end of the day I've made myself suffer and I still don't have the money that I need in my savings account so what's more important exactly so it really is like just focusing a lot on like you and what your needs your goals what what you want out of it also reminded me when you're talking you know I do freelancing as my business and um, I lost my clients and I was I don't know what month it was but I was trying to figure out how to like cut back on things. So mm-hmm. I remember like at one point I canceled my Spotify, the premium. Yeah. Two days later, I activated exactly. it. Exactly. Like, I, I was like, why did I, ca-? like, I actually use this every day. I tell people all the time, like the one expense I will never let go of is my Spotify premium. I don't like, I haven't been on a train since March. I'm not going to let that go because it brings me so much joy. And at the end of the day, is what like ten dollars maybe you have to ask yourself because like sacrifices are important and at some point we're gonna have to sacrifice but is that feeling that you get from cutting out spotify premium worth the ten dollars that you've saved you know like it's it's kind of like a balance like you is it it's a problem that you're trying to solve worth it and for some people it will be some people listening to this will be like oh my god like this spotify premium just listening to your music on youtube but that's fine for them but for us like (laughs) you have to find the things that make you happy and you know work with yourself Exactly. I will tell you, that was my first time not using Spotify Premium. And I was wondering why there were so many ads. And then at one point, I couldn't shuffle. And I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Like- <laughs> I, was like, I was like, how do people do this? Yeah. So that was that was um, very short lived. <laughs> but it, it really is like me trying to also with my finances, trying to 
ask myself, like, do I need this? Do I need that? Because, you know, as a content creator, and since I create content for, for clients, I'm using a bunch of apps that cost money. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it's like every, every week I'll just like go through it. And I'm like, do I really need this? I think it yeah. really is, you know, just. And that's such a healthy practice for sure. Like checking in like every week or so and having a money date and being like, just asking yourself like simply like, how do I feel about this purchase? Like, how do I feel that I spent a hundred dollars on Uber Eats in a week? Like, how do I, how do I feel about that? And if you can honestly reconcile with that purchase, then you're good to go. But if you bring up feelings of like shame and things like that, then you're just reinforcing like the negative feelings that we have around money already. So you really Mm. want to get to a place where you can feel a little bit more empowered by your spending. And my goal is always to be able to look at my bank statement and be like, yeah, I stand by every purchase I made this month. Like it was all necessary, even if it wasn't quote unquote essential, like Mm. I'm happy that I did that. Yeah, you mentioned Uber Eats twice, a couple times on this. Uh, like, I, is that is that an app that you use? So, like, I talk about it on my. Maybe I talked about it in the ebook. I forget. But another like moment of financial self care was I really wanted a camera, and mm-hmm. the camera I wanted was like seven hundred dollars, I think. And I was like, oh, I'm a junior in college. There's no way I'm gonna have like an extra seven hundred dollars. Like, I'm living like negative paycheck to paycheck, you know, like it's not going to happen. And then I was using this app that tracks my spending. And the app told me I spent over $700 that year on Uber Eats. And I was like, that's crazy that I like, where did that money even come from? And if I had known, if I had budgeted and planned ahead of time, that $700 could be allocated to something I really would have wanted and felt empowered by. But because I wasn't tracking anything, I wasn't checking in with my money and I wasn't you know, thinking about my actual desires and how I can make that work for me, I didn't get it. So, you know, like at Uber Eats is always my top example. I'm like, I chose a Big Mac over a new camera, essentially. And I yeah. just kept making that decision again, again, again. And it hurts so badly. Wow, I like that. Um, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I was so, I was with my friends when I got the notification and I was, I wanted to go cry. Like I, I was so wow. heartbroken at myself. Wait, did you actually end up getting the camera, though? I did end up getting a camera. In full transparency, it was a gift. So I didn't, like, do the whole saving thing. But I was happy for it, nonetheless. And Mm -hmm. I've tried since, you know, it was a gift. I've tried to use it in ways to show, like, gratitude and be like, okay, I was blessed with this camera. It was a massive expense that I was too stupid to get on my own. So how can I make sure that I don't make that mistake again? And then I use it to amplify my spending uh, and my earning potential. Yeah, something I've noticed from you just like having this conversation is the way you talk to yourself, like the way you talk about money and finances. How does that come into play? Yeah, so I try, like nowadays I try to, and I know I just call myself stupid, so that was like not, not in line <laughs> with what that. I with you, but, but I, I really try to make money a positive experience because I, I grew up, like I said, low income and no one around me had money. My family went through a pretty traumatic time having no money that ended up, where it ended up in us moving home and like doing all the stuff. So I had these like really strong negative beliefs around money. And anytime I messed up, I would talk so like talk down on myself so much and I would try to punish myself for it when really that just reinforces the the idea that there's not enough money and that I am bad with money and all of this. So I really try to you know, look at money as an opportunity. So, you know, one month, I think this time last year, I was using that same app and I saw that I had spent like 
$400 eating out. And at first I was like, oh my God, like that's horrible. Like I suck, like I'm terrible. And I remembered, okay, what did I spend that $400 on eating out? One, a lot of my friends have birthdays in November. So it was spending time with friends. I was having a good time with them. I was, you know, purchasing an Uber so that I wouldn't have to rave like two hours of transport drunk and all of that on the way home like what value did those purchases actually bring me and I really just want to make it positive so instead of saying like oh I wasted $400 I tell myself oh you know that $400 existed there this month next month there'll be 400 extra dollars I can use towards my goals so I don't want money to feel like a negative bad thing I don't want to feel shame around money I don't want to feel like I'm not good with money I want to make sure that I'm examining what actually is coming from my spending and my purchases. And if I do see a month where I made too many takeout orders, I just ask, okay, what led to that? Like, am I not excited about the food I have in my refrigerator? Am I not scheduling enough time where I can chop up vegetables and be mindful about it? Like, how can I make this a more positive experience for me? Right. And just to wrap up, what's your biggest tip for financial self-care? Something that someone can take away from this conversation. Yeah, set a financial goal and it can be small. If you're someone who feels like you're not good with money, you're going to have to prove to yourself that you are. So set like a small financial goal, even if it's just saving $100, saving $20, and then work out a plan of how you can make that happen. If you can't make it happen in your current budget, ask yourself what non-monetary thing do I have that I could create value with and just make it happen for yourself. Create a plan, ask for ideas from people, normalize those conversations, and just as you achieve those goals, keep going. Don't feel like it's too small because in order to save a thousand dollars, you're going to have to save $20 first anyway. So it's always going to like lead up into that larger, larger thing for you. Got it. Well, this was really helpful for me too, to even hear. So how can everyone find you? Yeah. So you can follow my podcast gentler at uh, gentler pod. And my personal Instagram is at Maya in Fleming in is in nickel. Um, on gentler, I've post a lot of financial self-care and general self-care tips and then on my personal I get a lot more into like side hustling and podcasting some more behind the scenes of running gentler and all of that but those are really the main two hubs you can find me on yeah and I'll also put the ebook if anyone wants to purchase that in the description Um, and I do my I do have a lot of college listeners and post-grad people. So I'm sure money, like being a taboo topic and talking about finances is very tricky. So I think, you know, if anyone wants to reach out to you, this would be a great way to learn more about that. Yeah, please do. I love talking about this stuff. So DM me, email me, whatever. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Be sure to follow along and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Stay tuned and keep listening to the next episode in the series that will cover anxiety, depression, and our mental state in the year of uncertainty with a special guest. Thanks for tuning in!